nobody's showing up anymore. So if you just come in and you just show up at a level that most people won't, like you're already in the 1% of the 1%. And then people are going to take note to that. And it's such a rare thing in this day and age. You can climb that ladder as fast as you want to, but nobody's being taught and nobody's given that opportunity and nobody's getting that clarity. In a world where the traditional education system often falls short in preparing us for real-world challenges, how can we equip ourselves and our families with the skills truly necessary for success? Welcome to Seek, Go, Create, where today we're joined by David Williams, the visionary co-founder of Fifth Degree Academy, a platform dedicated to teaching the practical, lifelong skills often missed in conventional education. David is not only a serial entrepreneur and investor, but also a passionate public speaker who believes in empowering individuals through practical knowledge and inspirational know-how. With Fifth Degree Academy, he aims to address the education crisis by providing on-demand classes that cover the most vital areas of life for people of all ages. David, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I am excited to be here too. And uh, you and I have had a chit chat briefly, just got to know each other, but let's pretend that we bump into each, uh, each other somewhere. And I just ask you what you do. When people ask you that, what do you tell them? Yeah. So what I do, so I can, like you said, a serial entrepreneur, I own and operate multiple companies. And what I could do is if you like, give a little bit of my backstory, how I got started and kind of where I came from and uh, where I am today. Yeah, we'll definitely do that, but I, d do this for me. This is just a little bit of a gee whiz type exercise icebreaker. When someone asks you what you do, what do you tell them? Like if you're just out and about and someone says, hey, David, what do you do? What's, what do you typically lead? I with? would say I build businesses, I create, and try to impact as many lives as possible. Very cool. And I know we'll talk more about that impact with the Fifth Degree Academy, but but let's do this. Have you always been a business builder? Have you always been entrepreneur, high energy guy? Always up until that started in 2009. So that was the beginning of my journey there, and ever since then, that's been uh, that's been my mo. So what'd you do before then? Though, because 2009 was an interesting time. I was I had three companies heading into 08 that many would have looked at and says, wow, this guy's got it going on. And by 09, my, my guts were being ripped out <laughs> inside. So what happened in 09 that got you going? Yeah. Um, I was a store manager at Circuit City at the time. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit even further back. So I grew up as a kid and dealt with a lot of um, challenges, I guess you can say. Not a lot of things came easy for me in life. Faced a lot of labels as a young kid. I was told that I had a learning disability. I wasn't going to amount to much unless I did something with a trade or did something with my hands, not knocking trades. But uh, that was just kind of the box that I was put in. And I had a deep love for the game of baseball. But however, I didn't have a lot of God-given talent. And I always felt like I loved it way more than any other kids. But I had to put in just so much more effort to get a fraction of the result that other kids got. And Going back, uh, going back to that time, I'd say one of my first mentors in life were my parents. It was my dad. And uh, we had a brother that went down the wrong path. My dad really took that to heart. And, uh, he had two businesses himself and just started working around the clock to afford the things that he couldn't afford uh, to make sure me and my sister just were constantly busy. I was in baseball lessons. She was in uh, music dance lessons. So we didn't have time to get in the same kind of trouble that my brother did. And... Um, 
he taught me, I think through osmosis, what hard work looked like. And he taught me, you know, lessons like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. So I started to realize early on, my early on superpower was I could just outwork every other kid in the room and the God-given talent that I lacked and the God-given talent that they possessed, I could close the gap by just running circles around everybody. And it wouldn't happen overnight, but if I did it day after day, the compounded effect of working hard uh, could get me to where I wanted to go. And um, you know, that's what led me to playing college baseball. I had a dream to play pro ball, ended up hurting my arm in college, got done with that, and then kind of lived in one of the labels and went and did uh, my tool and die certification that I got, went to take a job in tool and die and just didn't have a lot of heart and passion into it. So that's when I had to go out and find a job and I reached out and asked for help, asked one of my friends who was working at Circuit City at the time and what I thought was going to be a part-time gig uh, turned into a career. So I ended up coming in and um, working as a salesperson in a car stereo uh, Circuit City, uh, selling car stereos. And I thought I was starting over at the time, but then little did I know that I was just building off of the foundation that I already had built because I just did what came natural to me. I went into Circuit City and just started working hard and outworking everybody in the store. Before I knew it, I was number one salesperson in the entire store, became number one salesperson in the company. And I had another mentor at the time that took me under his wing because he just noticed that I was showing up differently than most people. And I ended up getting promoted one of the youngest store managers at Circuit City. At 21 years of age, I got a $24 million superstore handed to me where I had to all of a sudden learn how to lead people, train people, coach people, and run all the day-to-day operations of this big box store. And I'd say that was early on, that was a lot of my education um, that I learned that had a really good program. And I was on a fast track. I was, they eventually had me start going store to store. And I was kind of like Mr. Fix-It. I guess it was like a Navy SEAL. They would drop into a store and turn it around when it was underperforming. And I later became on an innovation team with Circuit City, uh, where I was helping the company come up with new business concepts. And my, my, my career is rolling around just like anybody in corporate America. I had aspirations, regional manager, everything else. And life happened uh, unexpectedly. All of a sudden, I started having pain all over me, my body. I'll- Hold on a second. I want to pause you a second because I, I think we're about to come to a pivotal event. And I want to pause before we get to that because I want to dig a little bit on some of the things you just mentioned, David. Because the, uh, the, what part of the world did you grow up in? Where were you at? I grew up in Rochester, New York, upstate New York. Now I'm living in sunny Sarasota, Florida after I put in my time in that cold white stuff. Don't want to go. Yeah, I'm recording this now. We're in the dead of winter and I'm in Arizona because I live in an RV and I could go where the weather's nice and I get it. I get that. So if I understand, I want to dig a little bit in there. I want to understand a little bit of the dynamics that led to someone. One of the things we do here, we don't shy away from discussing how we come to success. And many times that's defined by what the world calls failures and things like that. It sounds as if something that was fairly important in your family dynamic was your brother. And I get the perspective. It was your older brother. Is that right? Tell me uh, the siblings there. Yes. I had a, a, an older brother. He ended up passing away at the age of 49, um, through drugs, drugs and addiction. He went down the wrong path at a, at an early age. And my parents spent their whole life battling and battling through the legal system, the court system, doing everything they could to try to save him. And it just wasn't enough. It really got it grips on him. And, um, I have a younger sister as well. And yeah, I'm one of three. 
So I'm just curious, what was the age difference? Because you mentioned that your older brother, was his name Gary? Did I hear somewhere his name was Gary? Yeah, Gary Williams was his name. And uh-huh. it was, he would have been what probably 53 years old this year. Is what he would have okay. been. And I'm, I'm 43. So it was about a 10 year gap. Okay. So that, so there was a big gap there. And, and it seems like that had a big impact on the family. And I think it actually plays in some when we talk about the fifth degree academy later, because seems like maybe the education system was a bit challenged. Maybe he fell through the cracks. I don't know that I'm not trying to put words in your mouth or anything like that, but, and it seems as if now tell me if I'm wrong on this and then I'll let you just talk about this. It seems as if you had, I don't know if a slight chip on your shoulder is the right term, but you, you were going to succeed even when people were telling you couldn't, would that be accurate? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say that was the case. I just felt a failure wasn't an option for me. And, uh, and when I faced some of these challenges, I knew God put me on this planet for a bigger purpose. I wasn't sure what that was yet. And I know it wasn't just to have an almost life. And I was in a place where I was, I guess, finding myself in, in this part of the journey. Yeah. And the reason that I think that's important is that what we find when we have these discussions about redefining success and what it means, there is often something that's driving the people like you that end up excel. It's interesting. I, I bet if we really dissected it, there's not that much of a difference between you and your brother. There were just some circumstances, some issues and things like that. Have you put any thought into that? I know he was 10 years ahead of you, but have you put any thought into kind of how he ended up one path and you ended up another? Yeah. I think one of the things that I realized later in my life is like all the different places took me to where I want to go and probably all the different places that took him where he wanted to go. We both had great parents, but sometimes that's just not enough. And sometimes it takes a village to, to, to raise a young man or, or, or young woman. And for me, every time I got to the next place in my life, it was always, it wasn't a what, it wasn't a when, it was always a who moment. It was always the right mentor that took me under their wings, that led me to where I was, the right influence. And I think in his circumstances, it was just the wrong people. He started hanging around with some of the wrong influence. You know, they say we're the average of the five people we surround ourselves with the most. He had the wrong five people. When I was a kid, I was a little bit different. I was challenged learning-wise, bullied a bit when I was a kid. So I didn't even have five friends to hang around with to really be influenced by and, uh, but as I started to stumble along in life, I accidentally came across some of the right mentors that I was blessed with that got me on the right track. When it came to my brother, he didn't have those mentors outside of my parents. And when he went down that road and started to rebel, it was a slippery slope and just one that one we couldn't get him back from. It's interesting you mentioned baseball. I think I've heard this time and time again, often sports will be something that's very critical. For people that could be, I don't, I think all of us are at risk to some degree, yep. but, uh, but obviously if you look at your brother and then you, maybe the thing that distinguished, but how important was sports in keeping you along a path, uh, achieving what you ended up achieving? Well, I'd say, I would say it was incredibly important because I really loved the game. And then, like I said, my dad, he worked around the clock seven days a week, operated on four hours sleep to afford the things that he couldn't afford and keep me busy. So I didn't have an opportunity to get in trouble. So I've had private baseball lessons, baseball camps, leagues that I was in and just really fell in love with the game. And you know, that's what led me play into a year, a year at college at FLCC, one of our local community college, I played college ball and 
It's just something that I really fell in love with at a young age. I've also, and this is not taking anything away from your drive and your discipline, but sometimes when people are involved with sports, especially when they're looking to achieve the next level college and then pro, it's like you probably didn't have a t have time to get involved with a lot of other junk. You you were probably almost twenty four seven on the ball field, correct? No, that was exactly it. And then when it came to college too, like even when I was in college, I was honestly not the most talented person that was out there. What got me there was putting in the work. And then when I was in tryouts there, there was a lot of other people that had alternative focuses. Like my whole mission, I was all in on the game of baseball. I was up running every single morning at 4.35 a.m., even before practice, I was practicing. In the off-season, I was practicing. While they were going out and partying and doing what college kids do, I was just all in. And what that ended up resulted in, there's a lot of people that had more talent than I was in the initial tryouts, but they couldn't hack it. They were out the night before, so when we had to be in the gym at 4.30 a.m. or 5 a.m. and run, I was already conditioned months ahead of time prior to them. They were just starting to get conditioned. And then in addition to, you know, they just weren't putting in the time, weren't putting in the work. They're staying out partying all night. So one by one, they just started dropping like flies. And I was one of the, I was one of the ones left standing, ended up making the cut based off of that kind of resiliency and uh, played out, played out a whole season. Hello, Seat Go Create listeners. This is Tim Winders. Let's take a short break. Have you ever caught yourself dreaming about a future where your leadership not only achieves its goals, but also inspires those around you. As an executive coach, I specialize in transforming those dreams into achievable visions. With my coaching, we don't just chase goals, we create legacies. Drawing from my own experiences and a faith-driven approach, I help you align your professional ambitions with your deepest values, ensuring a journey that is both successful and fulfilling. If you're ready to carve a path that is authentically yours, it's time for us to talk. Visit timwinders.com forward slash coaching to schedule a free discovery coaching call. Yes, you and I'll just get on the phone and have a call. Again, that's timwinders.com forward slash coaching, and you could read some more information and then schedule a call right on my calendar. Let's turn your vision into reality. Now back to Seat Go Create. Yeah, one other thing before we start jumping into some of the projects you're working on now and what happened when you transitioned away from what you were doing with Circuit City, what was, one of the things we don't shy away from here is we talk about the faith component of success. What was, describe what faith looked like when you were growing up, or I don't think church is always the answer, but what was that faith component? And at what point, because I know faith is an important part of what you're doing now, at what point did faith enter the equation for you? Yeah. So for me, faith's always been a big part of my life. My dad was always a very biblical man. He's read the Bible probably a dozen times. I goes to church, same thing with my mother. And I was just brought up in that sort of household. And I'd say for me, like that was a big pivotal moment. Like even in the Circuit City days, when all of a sudden life happened to me and what ended up happening to me when I was at Circuit City on this fast track, you know, I woke up one day and my body was just on fire. Um, I could barely move. I was in so much pain. It just felt like I had kerosene running through my veins and I was pushing through all this neck and back pain. And then one day I woke up and I couldn't walk. Lost my ability to walk. My ankles were swollen so big. My feet were swollen so big. There was this inflammation all throughout my body. I came into work on crutches and in my same district manager at the time told me, they're like, Dave, 
know, you're going to have to go out in disability and take care of yourself. So I went out and started going doctor to doctor, figure out what was going on because I couldn't walk. And I was just dealing with immense pain and so crippling. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. You know, finally I found a doctor, a rheumatologist. They figured out what was going on. They're like, Hey, if you have an autoimmune condition, it's called ankylosing spondylitis. So it's basically your immune system overactive. It's attacking itself. And that's what's causing the inflammation in your body. You're attacking your own joints and it can cause spinal degeneration over time. And the doctor looked at me in the eyes and said, hey, I'm going to be frank with you. Most people with your condition, and you have a very severe case of this, so this is going to be very highly probable, the case for you, end up on long-term disability. That's what disability is there for. Don't be afraid to use it. Just going to let you know you're going to be on long-term disability. How old were you? How old were you, David? At the time, this was, uh, this was back in what, 2006. I had, I've had it for about 20, 23 years. So I was probably about 20, 21 when I first got diagnosed with it. And then I had a second, um, you know, got back, got back on my feet after that. And then I had a second wave where um, it put me off of work again. And this, that was right around 2008, right before 2009, when I exited, I exited Circuit City. So here I was at the time, I had a doctor telling me that Dave, you're going to be on long-term disability. And I thought about that. It just wasn't congruent. It didn't sit well with me that, and I knew God didn't put me on this planet to be some guy that was going to be on a couch on long-term disability. I looked at my wife and I knew she deserved better than that. And uh, you know, I looked at my parents and I knew I had a duty and obligation um, growing up to be the one to take care of them someday because I watched my dad, again, work around the clock, never save for retirement, never took care of himself. We always, money was something that was always scarce in our household. So I knew one day there was going to be a time that he couldn't work. And when it got to his retirement years, I had to be the guy that changed the trajectory of my family tree when it came from a financial standpoint. So here this was weighing on me. It gets to the six month mark and Circuit City, and I'm still not well. Circuit City said, well, we can't hold your job any further unless you come back to work a couple of weeks. So what I did, I was at this tipping point and that was my tipping point between faith and fear. And I'll tell you, I really leaned into my faith in that moment and step out and went beyond the labels and pushed myself to get back to work. And in that moment, I wrote myself out a check for a million bucks. And it wasn't about the money whatsoever, but I knew if I could cash that check and I could find a way, and I had no idea, my bank account had just a couple zeros in it because uh, I got into a tough financial situation being off of work for six months as well. But if I could figure out a way to cash that check, what I could do is create a life on my own terms that's conducive for my health. I could give my wife the life she deserves to have. And I could be my hero's hero, which was my dad and my mom. I could be able to give them the life they deserve. So I looked at that check every single day. I had no idea. I was so far away from how I was going to cash it, but I prayed on it. And then all of a sudden, one day I met a friend of the family that was in the insurance business. Young kid, he was younger than I. And he was doing really well. And that was my first encounter with a little something called passive income reoccurring. And I was like, sign me up. I can't work in retail anymore. I know I can't be on my feet anymore with all the pain I'm dealing with. So I got to do something on my own. Um, I'm going to start getting my insurance license. And I'm broke at the time. Everybody's telling me, Dave, if you're going to do that, go work for somebody first. Most businesses fail. You're sick. You're surely going to fail. I ignored all the naysayers. I kept moving forward, getting my license, prayed on it some more, stepped into my faith. And then all of a sudden, if this wasn't by God's design, I don't know what was. And this caused me to lean in even further. Uh, I walked in the Circuit City one day and there was an insurance brokerage in that very same shopping mall across from a DMV about 100 feet away that was taking down their shingle and going out of business at the very same time. 
And I knew it wasn't because they had a bad location. And I knew it wasn't was because people didn't need insurance. And they were right across from a DMV where people by law had to have automotive insurance. So I was like, that's going to be my location. That's my sign from God. Now I got to figure out how I'm going to get the money. And uh, so I prayed on it some more. And then I came in to work one day and the liquidators come up to me and they said, Dave, all the open merchandise, all the loose merchandise, the customer returns, the display models, we got to get rid of for pennies on the dollar, whatever you can get for it. It was almost in that moment. It wasn't even inside. It's a meat. Yeah, hold on a second. Because when you talk about Circuit City, I have these, I don't want to say nostalgia, but I think about the times that I spent at Circuit City. There's some people listening in that don't know what Circuit City is. Yeah, Circuit City is like a Best Buy electronic store. I'm so happy to say it. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And I, I do want to pause though. One question, though, before we jump into the insurance thing, David, often someone who has the ability to just grind it out and throw their energy and their physical all into it, like you had, obviously, you were a, a, an athlete type person. Often it really does, um, I don't, I don't even know how to describe, but it creates challenges when all of a sudden that is hindered or taken away or whatever words we want to use. Talk briefly before we go further about what it did for you when you all of a sudden, again, athlete, strong, you're able to, you're able to grind it out. You're able to throw yourself in and work 24 seven, I'm guessing. And then all of a sudden you couldn't do that what did it do for your identity and who you were at that time yeah no i'd say you definitely questioned my identity because that's what it was in baseball is my superpower i would just be in the batting cages all day every day to my hands bled and the compound effect of that you know led to becoming a better version of myself at the game that i was trying to play and now i'm in the game of life right and i'm showing up that same way but now i have these health challenges so i'm still trying to show up and i'm pushing through them but it was like, I'm coming in now with 150 pound vest on, still trying to push through them. And now I got this mental challenge because I got people telling me, they're like, hey, you're going to be on disability. And I'm pushing up against um, these limitations that other people are trying to push on me. And I'm asking myself, is this going to be, is this going to be it? Am I going to be dealing with this for life? Am I ever going to get better? I'm even questioning God, why is this happening to me? I started to realize later it wasn't happening to me. It was happening for me. When we talk about the challenges, I believe those are the thing. A lot of times our prayers are answered in the form of challenges because it's the very challenges that get us to where we want to go that build us into the people that we into the people that we need to be. So going back to the Circuit City part where I was there, you know, leaning in my faith, prayed on it some more. All of a sudden the liquidators came up to me and they had to get rid of all the open merchandise. And I immediately said, what if I just made it easy on you and I just bought up all the merchandise from every Circuit City store, all that open merchandise within four hours of here? Uh, they're like, how much do you got? And I'm like, I don't have anything in my checking account, but I got a 401k with a little bit of change in it. I got my last $7,000 to my name. They agreed and I bought up about seventy dollars to $80,000 with electronics. I was so excited. I didn't even tell my wife at the time, forgot to run it by her. She was working in retail. So I just started bringing truckloads of merchandise home and then she gets home. And then sees she doesn't have a living room anymore. It's like literally filled to the ceiling with post system speakers, remotes, like everything that I could get. I'm like, I'm going to put a dollar on this and sell it. So I did that. And luckily she gave me grace like she normally does. <laughs> Ended up buying fixtures from Circuit City at the time and building a little mini 
electronic store in my basement where I catalog this. So now I'm getting my insurance license at night. I'm pushing through these health challenges. I'm dealing with financial challenges where I had to lend money from people to just to pay my mortgage. The shot clock is ticking when I'm about to go on disability. And then at night in the after, uh, selling things on eBay. So I ended up paying off all my medical debt with the, the eBay. And then I ended up raising the minimum capital that I needed to start. I couldn't buy an insurance agency. So I had to do it the hard way, the gritty way. And I won on a shoestring budget or just start one on a shoestring budget from complete scratch with no customer base. So that's what I did. I had the minimum capital was $25,000 at the time. And which was only really two months survival because we had to start with two employees. I had mall overhead and I was going down to training while other people were driving in nice cars and staying in hotels. I was driving in a beater with no AC going down in the dead heat of summer staying on the floor of my sister's place that also didn't have any AC. So I'm like dripping sweat, sleeping on an air mattress every day just to save every dollar I could. I got through training and then um, they get in and they're like, I open up my doors and I got two employees and they're like, all right, we're going to train you for two weeks. And then after those two weeks, you can start to sell. And I'm like, hold the fort. I only got about six to eight weeks operating capital and I can't eat into a quarter of that. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to sell and then you're going to teach me as I do it. So I started pulling people out of line at the DMV. I even remember my first customer to this day, Hernaldo Hernandez. It should have took me 30 minutes to write his policies. It took four and a half hours. Luckily, he gave me a lot of grace, but I learned quick and I, I had to just start running circles and acting like somebody was trying to take it away from me 24 seven. Cause the reality was if I didn't make things happen within that short 60 day when I was going to be living into that label that my doctor said on a couch, I'd been out of business before the opportunity even started because I had the payroll, I had the mall location, but little did I realize by showing up the way that I did with that level of urgency, that was the best way that I could be a leader and the best way to train my people. Have you ever put any thought into that circuit city didn't make it obviously, and you were working your way up the circuit city ladder and I don't think God brings stuff on us like sickness and stuff like that. But have you ever thought about, had you just continued along that circuit city path and then they folded what your life would have been like? No, absolutely. Question. And I think that that's why later when I reflected, I realized God wasn't doing things to me. He was doing things for me. And I think a lot of times when, when we pray and we step into our faith, we got to pay attention because while God will answer our prayers in the form of miracles, poof, sometimes, but I think more times than not, miracles that he puts in our path are opportunities where he'll force a door shut to open up a door that we're meant to walk through to, to live into the shoes. You know, he wants to, to be the creators that he wants us to be in this world. And I think a lot of times when we're sitting in a setback and we're in the midst of our setbacks, it's important to have a clear mind to pay attention to those moments. And I think there's two different types of moments. There's inconsequential moments, and then there's the defining moments. So sometimes the inconsequential moments that are this big, we blow up and we turn into a mountain or a big landmine in our lives. And they create so much noise that sometimes we miss those defining moments. And luckily for me, I was able to recognize some of those defining moments that God was putting in my path when the shingle was coming down on the insurance agency. When the liquidators came in and do that, and to me, it was just perfectly aligning so well. I knew this was the path that God intended me to be on, and he was putting, these, he was putting me through these trials 
Because just like anything else, anything great in life doesn't come without great challenge and adversity. You go to the gym and you try to get a six pack. Well, guess what? You got to show up day after day, sometimes for years, putting in the work, experiencing the pain, having the discipline in order to yield that. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I think that's the same thing with anything great in life. There's challenges along the way. And most people, the reason I share this is because most people, they stop or they allow fear to paralyze them or they stop when the challenge is there and they quit and they think it just didn't work out. But sometimes mm. it's just going that extra inch. It's going that extra degree in order to, in order to really get where we want to go and get what we want out of this. Yeah. And one, one of the things that I love about the story and how it's unfolding is that, yeah, you were a hard worker, your mindset, you were always open and looking but you were positioned because of what many would look at as hardships. You were positioned to do the thing that was that next step along your way, that next journey. And there's examples like that. If we look back at successful people throughout time, we will often see that. So you open up the agency at, you got that going and you're hustling to do that. What was the time frame then? What year did you get that started? Yeah. So that was 2009 and then I'm hustling day right. after day. And before I know it, like, my people are starting to mimic me and they didn't become at the exact level that I was because I was just going like my life was on the line, which it was, but they started to become 60% of what we were, what I was doing. And we didn't really have a marketing budget. So I'm pulling people out of the mall, pulling people out of the DMV. And then I'm just doing old school, picking up the white pages and smiling and dialing and figuring out talk paths. And they start doing the same thing. And before we know it, our very first month, we ended up one of the top in the region. Probably about three months in, we ended up being number one of the top in the country where they started having me go on speaking circuits at Allstate, how being a new agent, how I got the results that I was getting. They started to allow me to open up multiple locations. And then fast forward, we ended up scaling to about 50 team members and growing that to $22 million in reoccurring revenue. And then that check, I set myself a goal. I wanted to cash that check by 35, I ended up cashing it by 34 and a half and was blessed to become my hero's hero. I gave my wife the life she deserved. I was able to create a life on my own terms where now I'm a business owner, I'm gonna work incredibly hard, but now I can do it on my own terms from my own health while I'm continuously figuring that out. And then for my parents, you know, I take care of their bills to this day. I bought them their first brand new Cadillac. In one of the proudest moments of my life, I just here a few years ago, I moved them down to sunny Sarasota, Florida with me and we bought them their dream retirement home. So we did that and I exited that first company, um, ended up selling it off to my team members that we developed and they were ready to go off on their own. So I'm like, things were becoming kind of less entrepreneurial in the world at the time in Allstate specifically. So I decided to sell to them. And that was another scary moment. I felt like I was starting over. Hey, I'm questioning myself. Fear goes in, right? And, and I think sometimes fear we can define one of two ways is uh, forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And, I, and that voice kicked in of a mentor that told me that as a like, Dave, you can do it. You're going to face everything and rise and you're just going to recreate it and do what you did the first time. And sure enough, found a business partner, was getting out of his business. We had like similar core values. Uh, we ended up starting another insurance agency outside and we grew that in a short few years, larger than the one that I did. We started a recruiting company, built that into a multi seven figure, the number one recruiting company in the insurance space, over 5,000 positive video testimonials and Google reviews. We ended up a couple software companies started to get into real estate, investing my money in the real estate. And then all of our businesses, um, because what a real heart and passion for me is impacting other people. So we would try to make all of our businesses for purpose businesses. And what that means is we'd take part of our, our time, our energy, 
or profits and then put it back into impacting communities. So in my brother's name, through our insurance agencies, we did thousand dollar scholarships where we probably gave away, I don't know, $50,000 worth of scholarships to kids uh, at risk, served on the board of directors of the Boys and Girls Club. In our recruiting company, we take resources and teach um, inner city youth and veterans how to show up in the interview process differently to help them gain meaningful employment. And we give part of our profits back to um, inner city kids, give the homeless, different things like that. And then I started to realize again, back to every time I went to the next place in my life, it was a who moment, right? So I started intentionally trying to create those who moments, going into masterminds, networking, and then hiring mentors. And I came across a mentor, a good friend of mine now, Cole Hatter. He introduced me to another mentor that I hired and life coach with now for about four years, Tim Story, another mentor of mine, Dave Meltzer. But Tim, I was talking to him and we were riffing back and forth and man, we're really missing the market. We didn't learn any of the stuff that led to where we are today from school. But what is going on with our school system? Imagine if the masterminds where we're learning today, if we had that when we were a kid, we'd be like on cloud nine right now or on the moon. We'd be doing some really huge things if we had that sort of head start. And then the light bulb was a God idea. It's like, what if we had a mastermind for kids and their families so they could get a head start? And they could because started to think about the statistics, people like my brother going down the wrong path. How many other kids are going down the wrong path? How many other David Williams that there were that maybe faced labels, but they weren't able to find the right mentor to help them out. And they lived into their labels and they're still stuck into the setback. You know, you look at the statistics that are out there, 33% of kids, they tried to medicate me. Luckily, my parents didn't allow it. But 33% of our kids in our school system now are medicated in some way, shape, or form, whether it's Adderall or some antidepressant med. What is a kid depressed about? You know, what are we doing to our kids? And then you look at, in America, it's 78% of kids that are 25 and under have subprime credit scores and they're living paycheck to paycheck. 90 some odd percent of kids are graduating school feeling they're ill-prepared. Where does that leave them? They don't want to start life because it's fearful. They should be excited to go out and create and excited to go out and start life in the world. So what do they do? They maybe go to college for the wrong thing just so they can delay the inevitable and then fall in the debt trap and ring up 100000 in debt, which is okay if maybe you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or you have specific intention that you're going to get an ROI on that degree. But most kids don't know what an ROI is, a return on investment. And they just do it to delay life. And now they start out in the hole. Yeah. And they think I'm going to start the American dream and get that new home, get that new Mercedes. And I made it. I got a home. I got a Mercedes. I got a hundred thousand college debt and I got the new iPhone. But guess what? I can barely even have any extra expendable income and I can barely survive. And I'm just like I was maybe one health challenge away from losing it all. And so David, David, one thing, one thing, let me pause you a second. Let's again, let's have a little bit of back and forth dialogue here. Um, one of the things I'd love to talk about this current state of the education system, both of my parents were educated and I do not disagree at all. The education system has challenges, but this is something interesting. I'm a product of that. You're a product of that. And I think some people might argue, but look, you, you know, you had your back against the wall and y'all made it okay. So if someone were to say something to the effect of, yeah, but the education system is just the base level, you know, people are going to figure it out like David did and Tim did. How would you respond if someone brought that up? That's yeah, the statistics I would okay, say yeah. 
show otherwise, right? You look at the statistics in America where everybody's living paycheck to paycheck. You look at financial literacy, it's non-existent in our school system. And I think it goes way back to the Rockefeller days. And if you pay attention to Rockefeller, he put millions of dollars in the school system. And he said, I don't want critical thinkers. I don't want entrepreneurs. I don't want creators. I want workers and consumers. And I believe that base foundation has been the foundation of our education system ever since. And I think it's by design that they want to, that they want to create it that way. And there's a reason why, you know, the very thing they, in, instead of talking about money, instead of teaching about money, we teach money myths. Like money is the root of all evil, so nobody wants to chase it. But if you read the Bible, that's not what it says. The worship of money is the root of all evil. And money, I think just my take on money is it makes the world go round. Everything that we do is tied around money. So not talking about money is actually the impolite thing to do. We need to be, we need to be teaching our kids to have a great relationship with money. And that's what we should be doing in our school system. Not teaching parallelograms rather than how to show up in life how to win emotional intelligence when we have a mental health crisis going on in our country and we're not teaching right. kids how to handle their emotion. You know, they have 12 years is an incredibly long time to educate. 12 years right. is a long time to create, I would say, some supernatural kids, but we do the opposite of that. And we have so many people that are suffering in this country. And that's what, when I was talking to Tim about that, I was like, imagine if we created our own mastermind where we brought some of the best and the brightest and the most brilliant people and really taught the things they should be teaching in school. We put faith back right. in the school because they took faith and core values out of school. We started telling kids how they could live a life by design, freedom, and maybe flip the script on what the American dream really should look like. It's not going out and getting into the debt trap and just having that new home and having keeping up with the Jones with the car, but maybe you could take advantage of a new home buying program. And instead of buying just a home for yourself, you buy a duplex. And then you rent out the other side of the duplex and you don't got to be an entrepreneur, but then all of a sudden the passive income from Airbnb that other half or renting out that other half is now paying for your uh, living situation. It's paying for your Mercedes. And now everything you get in your W-2 is all icing on the cake. And now instead of just trying to survive like every other kid and every other American is doing right now, because that's the reality of America, they can thrive and actually live and enjoy their life and embrace freedom. That's the narrative that we want to teach. And then we wanted to bring in, we're like, hey, we'll bring in some of the best and brightest influencers. And we're thinking, how do we kick this off? So what we did a free two-day event. Uh, David, let's go back to how the problem was created. I love, I actually was studying some things recently about the issue with Rockefeller. A lot of people would argue that our education system does a good job of getting some basic information out to everybody. I actually have this thought that what we're kind of doing is, I hate to use the term dumbing down, but we're basically dumbing down almost culture and society that there does need to be some different paths that people go down. I don't know that everyone needs to sit in a public school. We homeschool our children and, and all of that. but. What I'm hearing you say is that you guys are working towards some other alternatives, but I don't think you're going to want to do this with the masses. Is that correct? Uh, we want to do it with anybody that wants the opportunity and wants to learn. So we actually, we decided, hey, we're going to launch this. And we ended up doing a free two-day event. We brought some of the biggest speakers in like Eric Thomas, Jim Quick, Tim Story, and then we broke a Guinness World Record for the most amount of parents and kids to learn about financial literacy together that showed us that there's a thirst and there's an appetite out there. 
So we said, we're going to make this program. If somebody can't afford it, um, we're going to bless them and give them a grant to give them in it. So anybody that has the will to learn and they want to kind of learn differently and they want the path to success that we're going to leave no family, no kid left behind. So are most of the people that are coming to you, are they the kids or the parents or both? What's the, uh, what's the ratio? It, it's typically through the parents and then the parents are bringing the kids in and we decided we want to put a spin on it because it's tough to get kids excited about education. And we're like, how do we do that? And we can influence through influencers. What if we took some of their idols that are out there? Like one of our next calls we have coming up, Carolina, she's a child influencer. She's 12 years old. She's a YouTube sensation uh, with 9 million followers, violinist. And she's going to be talking about how she built a life at a young age and what the work looked like. So now if we can bring in influencers like that, that kids already follow on social media, now that gets them excited about education. They get excited then they're maybe to see a Carolina or maybe we get a Tim Tebow that comes to talk on a call and they're like, wow, I'm going to see Tim Tebow. But now they come on the call and then they learn some of the things that are going to get them the life by design. So we're taking influencers to influence and excite kids around education and try to do things differently. And our goal is to keep growing it and expanding it. So we keep tracking bigger and bigger names. Sure. So one of the things I did, I went over to the site uh, yesterday when I was kind of looking around and I do, I guess one thing I want to ask is the name, the fifth degree. I noticed that you guys had uh, the method for success and, you know, faith finances, fitness, family. And then freedom, I guess that's where that spins off from. Say just a little bit about those fine foundational items. We don't have, we don't have time to go into each yeah, one no, at absolutely. length, but, but so just talk a, a little bit about that because obviously y'all are building it on those five items, which is cool, I think. No, absolutely. So, you know, the fifth degree academy, it's the five degrees of learning that I feel they don't teach enough in school. Faith, family, freedom, finances, and fitness. Because without faith, I don't think you can go anywhere, no matter what your faith is. I think you got to have faith as the foundation, first and foremost. Understand with, it's not about keeping up with the Joneses, but it's like creating a life by design, creating that freedom where you can enjoy life and not just be a prisoner chained to your nine to five or just working your life away. And then so many Americans do and you never get to enjoy it. So we want to teach them a different way. And then also just like me, nobody taught me at a young age to focus on my health. And I truly believe one of the biggest things that triggered me, I was a young buck starting a $24 million superstore circuit city I was running. And I was working 16 hour days. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't working out anymore after I got done with college. And I think stress triggered it. And that's what triggered. I had a genetic disposition for the, the disorder that I have, but I do believe it was the lifestyle. It was the stress. It wasn't taking care of myself. And there's so many people that don't learn that until it's too late. And what else? Your health as well. And we want to teach that kids at an early age is to like take care of your body because you only get one and how to handle stress and how to process emotions and how to maybe feed our body the right nutrients so we can go out there and feel great when we're, when we're building our lives. So what's the funnel that brings people into you? Obviously people listening in, if there's a parent or something, we're going to give them the information here in a little while, but. In general, are you, are you bringing people in through online means? Are you bringing people in through some kind of local structure? What are some of the avenues that someone can discover or find what you're doing with Fifth Degree Academy? Yeah, that so might be a marketing actually, question, but that's cool. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. We're in the Apple store, the Android store. So we got an app you can download for the community to go on our biweekly calls with our experts and influencers we have coming in. Um, we're on social media. Uh, we did that two-day world record event to kick it off, broke the Guinness world record. And we're, we're doing micro events like that, going out and serving the community for free. Like in March, we're actually going down to LA and we're bringing in some big speakers there, bringing in all local families. We're going to be broadcasting that virtually and then bringing anybody in local that wants to be a part of it attending shows anywhere we can, where there's a, there's a hunger. And we're, we're starting out with, you know, some of those entrepreneur parents, starting out with the homeschool parents, because we know entrepreneur parents really get it. We know the homeschool parents get it. And when we build the foundation there, our goal is to take that community and then bring the rest of the parents in and really show them what learning can be all about and get their kids to think differently and show up. Because again, I go back to my brother, nobody ever really taught him. He never discovered his why and his purpose and his passion in this world. And I think there's so many mm. kids, when you look at them, go down the wrong path that they just don't have that why they don't have that purpose in the mission. And we want to help every kid that we can touch find that, that purpose driven life. Because when you have a purpose, you wake up with a different pep in your step. You don't want to quit. You don't want to mm. give up. You're excited about life. And that's what we want to help families do. Sure. Some people, I can almost hear some people in a media setting, and sometimes we have to turn this off, but they would want to know what you're doing for like an at-risk type group. I was fortunate, sounds like you were too, that you showed up at school, at least when you went, and you had some food that, that you had eaten that morning. Your parents probably encouraged you to go to school. And there's a lot of that to me, the system that we've got, there are so many not even like your brother, but there are just so many that aren't even, they're not even getting to the table or getting even to, to the place to slip through the cracks. I think you mentioned some scholarshiping and some things like that, but is there something in place now or something down the road for what I think we would term at-risk type students? And if there's not, that's fine. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So we actually have a buy one, bless one component to our program for every paid membership. We'll actually take at-risk youth that maybe can't afford their family, can't afford it to come into the program. Or if we ever have a family that says, hey, I want to come in, but maybe I can't afford it. Uh, we'll have a grant opportunity where they can come in at no cost because we don't want to leave a family left behind. And we actually partner with organizations like that. So we're in talks with the Dream Center down in LA, the Boys and Girls Club, and we'll offer this up to free for some of those organizations that actually serve you know, those very those at-risk kids that might, that might need it most. But if you think about that too, those are the ones that are struggling in the education system the most. They're not excited about education. It's not, the current system's not working out for them. And that's why we want to take some of their idols, some of the people they look up to, some of the people they get excited about when they hear their name, start to bring them into the call, and then that gets them excited to attend. And then once they're there, the byproduct, is that they're going to learn a thing or two about a thing or two from that from somebody that's got weight because a lot of times even when I was growing up as a kid my parents would give me great advice but sometimes we hear it from our parents or we hear it from a teacher and it's in one ear and out the other but then all of a sudden maybe a an influencer celebrity somebody comes in that knows a thing or two about a thing or two that's had some real world success and they're all looking up to that person and they're excited about it now, all of a sudden, it reinforces the principle where we're not, you know, trying to replace the school system. We're not trying to replace parenting. We want to partner with the school system. We want to partner with parents, reinforce the things they're already trying to teach in so it sticks and it cements. And then it makes kids want to 
have something to chase and take action on. You mentioned when you had conversations with Tim that you thought this would be somewhat of a mastermind, but I think there's a digital component to it. And I think mastermind is a word that's used in an odd way in our current culture, David, I'm sure you're yeah. aware. And there's some people that we go and there's 10 of us that sit around a table and we talk, which I love, by the way, I love doing that. But when you say mastermind, I think it sounds to me like what you're doing is creating an avenue for people to get some things outside of the norm. Tell me all the ways you mentioned events, you mentioned, because I don't know, is there a mastermind per se, or is it just that they're stepping into this app? And it gives them access to a lot of things. Tell me a little yes. bit more about the logistics. Yeah. So basically the masterminds is we do two live calls a month. Um, so every, the second Tuesday, the last Tuesday of every month that will bring in an expert speaker. And then we'll typically try to do every month an influencer where it's a big name individual and have an expert on the other call. And then they're coming in and teaching on things. And then we give some homework in between too. So I'll give you an example. One of the calls, Tim Story came in and talked about having the miracle mentality. Tim Story is a best-selling author, life coach of the stars, works with Robert Downey Jr., P. Diddy, came in, kids were excited about meeting with him. And then after that call, we actually gave the parents and the kids an action guide and taught them about how they can create core values in the household. Because every one of my businesses, we created core values and those are the very things that cemented the foundation of our company and allowed us to grow. We're like a lot of times when you look at families, they don't have a defined it's maybe talked about here and there, but it's not clear. There's not clarity when it comes to core values in the household. So we'd give them a template and then mom, dad, and the kids, and it's going to be different family to family, can sit around and create those core values and commit to hold each other accountable. And it's not just the parents holding the kids accountable, but maybe mom and dad come home one day and they're having an off day and they're not living into that value system that they agreed upon. And now the kids can help hold mom and dad accountable to help strengthen and cement the family unit. So our core values, to give you an example, is uh, put God first in everything that we do. Live with integrity. Everybody that we touch, leave them better off. A Williams never quits. A Williams always finds a way. A Williams always shows up in life. A Williams is set out to change the world. So we set out these core values in our own household. So as my little guy grows older and older, um, we can speak to those things and we can live into those things and he knows what it means to be a Williams. And we want to teach whether you're a, whether you're a Smith, you're a Johnson, whoever it might be, what it means to be in your family. What are those values that are important that you can live by that, that are going to allow you to really you know, take that next level in life? Yeah. What are some of the challenges, David, that you guys are identifying with this model? We've already talked about there's this baked in system of, I, I, oh, I hate to say mediocrity. It's even less than that at times that we are that fighting against in our current society and culture. But what are some things that as you look out over the next few years, you go, these are some hurdles that we're going to have to overcome with this model and this system? Well, I think one of the things is entitlement. And I think that's what's being bred in our school system. It's being bred by the media. We're, instead of teaching our kids to be a victor, we're teaching them to be a victim. And you can't simultaneously be a victim and a victor at the same time. It just doesn't work. You got you to choose one or the other. But when you look at it, there's this sense of entitlement. that's all being from the top down in our education system that's being you know, instilled into our kids. And you're, you're seeing that in today's culture and society, where if you look back 10, 20, 30 years ago, it was a totally different dynamic. It was a totally different culture. 
but people don't want to, you know, we see it even in our recruiting company that people just don't want to work these days. There's a sense of entitlement that I'm not going to take a job unless I do this and this. When you look at back in, in my era, uh, when I was growing up, heck, if you were the janitor, you showed up and just gave it everything that you got. And I think a lot of that's being lost. And there's a sense of instead of working and earning what I should being taught, it's the war on entitlement. So I'd say that's going to be one of the that's one of the core challenges there is creating that mind shift and competing against culture, competing against society that's actually teaching that and instilling that in this next generation. I mean, you look at that, you look at in colleges, they have safe spaces. Um, for people to go, you look at this woke culture that's taking over. And you know what I think that is, is, you know, you, you, you look at historically, why did kids always join gangs in the past? Kids join gangs. They don't have a father figure. They don't have a mentor in their life. And so now they see somebody there. I can maybe go into this gang and then that's going to be my community because I don't have anybody else. And now in this day and age, when I was a kid and I was bullied, it was pretty isolated. Social media can take one post to destroy a kid now. And if you're a kid that goes into school and goes into society and you're not academically strong, you're not wealthy or maybe not a jock and you just don't meet some of those stereotypical molds and you don't have a place or you're maybe being bullied, who's going to take you in? Well, it's the new woke culture and the woke community will take me in. And now, now all of a sudden, if I identify over here and I identify with these principles that I may not agree with, at least I know that I can no longer be bullied. And now I'm a part of something. I was a part of nothing. And if anybody ever started to stand against me, I got cancel culture on my side now. And that's what we're sadly seeing in our society today is if you look at this kind of wokeism, so to speak, and you look mm -hmm. at the percentage of people that are falling down this path just over these past couple of years alone, it's like 8x of people identifying into this new kind of this new kind of movement. And it's not resulting in anything good. It's that entitlement mindset. It's that uh, the rich just get richer. I don't have the same opportunities because of X, Y, you know, we live in the greatest country on earth and everybody has a phenomenal opportunity to be here. But if you have the right mindset, you have the right work ethic and you're taught to go out and show up, especially in this day and age. I think everybody today versus back in my day have more of an opportunity than ever because you know what? Nobody's showing up anymore. So if you just come in and you just show up at a level that most people won't, like you're already in the 1% of the 1%, and then people are going to take note to that, and it's such a rare thing in this day and age, you can climb that ladder as fast as you want to. But nobody's being taught, and nobody's given that opportunity, and nobody's getting that clarity that they can get everything out that they want out of this life. But it typically it does. comes after hard work. Yeah, it does definitely appear as if we're kind of almost dividing up into two camps. There's that group that you just mentioned, the entitlement group. And then there's a group, unfortunately, from my view, it seems this group is getting smaller and smaller that they still do want to either work or learn or grow or whatever term you want to use. But let's just say someone is in that group or they're a parent that's in that group of that maybe even smaller group that they do want to grow. They do want to create some atmosphere environments for their children or it's someone who's in that age group. What do they need to do? What is an action step that they need to do, David, to take the next step to maybe step closer to what you guys are doing with fifth degree or anything like that? You can give information or where they can go and stuff like yeah. that. Here. So they can go also. to fifth degree.com. It's five th degree.com. They can subscribe on there. They can reach out to it at support at fifthdegree.com. 
we're in the Apple store. We're in the Android store. If somebody's out there and you go to the website and you're like, hey, I just can't afford it. Again, you know, we have a grant process for that because we don't want to leave any family left behind. We're really not doing this for the money. 50. Definitely. We'll include uh, that uh, those links and all down in the notes. Hey, David, we are seek. Go create those three words here. I'm going to let you choose one is my last question. Choose one of those words over the other two and why. Which one do you choose? Seek, go, or create? I'm going to choose uh, create. And actually, you can't see on the other side of the wall, but I got the sign behind me. It says go to distance. And on the other side of the wall, it says if you build it. Um, the reason it says if you build it, um, one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid was The Field of Dreams. And I feel like throughout my life, leaning in my faith, God always spoke to me through that movies because when it came to creating something, I would hear that voice. If you build it, they will come. And when it came to uh, the Fifth Degree Academy, um, and we did this event and we broke the Guinness World Record. I'm like, how am I going to get all these big speakers to come in? And, uh, I feel like God spoke to me and I, I heard the words, if you build it, they will come. If I build the table, if I build the right program, if I build the right image to it, the branding, that all these speakers are going to come. And that's exactly what happened. God brought them our way. We had over a million dollars of the speakers kind of pour into the program. We still got people outreaching that's in there. And uh, I, I believe we're all put on this earth to be creates. Um, you know, we weren't put on this worth like Rockefeller wants us to be consumers and uh, workers. I believe God put us on this earth, uh, Rockefeller, to be creators and uh, to make positive impact in this world. So that's why I choose the world create. Mm, very good. Yes. And great movie reference there, Field of Dreams. I think one of the best sports movies ever. Just, Absolutely. Just say that. David, I appreciate it. We are pulling for you in the Fifth Degree Academy. Uh, definitely go down and check out the links if you've been listening in. Share it. You probably know someone that needs to connect with David and what his team are doing over there at Fifth Degree Academy. Make, make sure you go check it out yourself if you've got children or if you are a child in that age bracket. And if not, share it with others. We are Seek Go Create here, releasing new episodes every Monday. Your support means the world to us. Now you can tip us, buy me a coffee or other financial support at seekgocreate.com forward slash support. That's seekgocreate.com forward slash support. Contributions start at just a buck. And if you leave a comment, your comment could be featured in a future episode. Just go visit seekgocreate.com forward slash support. Until next time, we appreciate you joining us here. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be. Thank you.